Well, good morning. We're glad you're here today. I've got a couple of announcements I want to give you this morning and uh, excited to let you know that uh, some changes are occurring here in, uh, uh, in the ministry at Calvary Chapel Modesto. We've had a desire for a long time uh, to extend our uh, local outreach into the community and uh, strengthen support for our missionaries who are in the field and also to increase our international mission uh, opportunities. And so in order to take those uh, steps that we think as a pastoral staff are important to make at this time, we're making some changes to the roles within our staff. Beginning in March, Pastor Jeremiah is going to move to a new role uh, as our community outreach and missions pastor. Uh, Colin Severins, who uh, oversees junior high at this point in time, he's going to shift into a new role as a senior, uh, as the high school uh, ministry director. Uh, Tim Silva, who wears several hats here in the church, he's going to take on the role uh, of uh, junior high uh, ministry director as well. So we're excited. All of us are excited about these changes and look forward to seeing how God continues to match giftings and callings with, uh, uh, with the opportunities and the fruit that comes out of that and see what comes out of these changes for these men that are taking these positions. It's going to be wonderful. So your prayer support is uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, additionally, and with far less excitement, certainly on my part uh, and everyone else except for the man involved, uh, I have to inform you that Pastor Tom approached me recently to let me know of his uh, desire to retire. And uh, so officially his last day uh, on pastoral staff was yesterday or two days ago uh, on Friday. His wife Jennifer is going to remain on staff at the front office. Uh, there's no truth to the uh, rumor that Pastor Tom is retiring to start a hugging ministry at Vintage Fair Mall. It's an inside joke. Tom is not fond of hugging. And uh, so give him a big hug on my behalf uh, after the service. Oh, kidding aside. It uh, was Tom's desire, uh, uh, of course, being Tom, that there would be no retirement celebration for him. And so in dutifully ignoring his request, uh, it is our intent to bestow upon him the highest honor that can be bestowed upon anyone at Calvary Chapel Modesto. And so tonight after the evening service, we will enjoy Costco cake in honor uh, of him. So in all seriousness though, we will have Costco cakes, but um, we will miss Tom. And I know all of us will, I certainly will. And his position on the staff and how he served you behind the scenes and um, the wisdom that he brought to our meetings and decision-making and the personal support that he's been uh, to me and in my service through the years. So it's been a great blessing to serve uh, with him. One final announcement. Um, yesterday, Pastor Joseph Perdome, who pastors Calvary Chapel, Fairfield, California, and then Pastor Frank Ippolito, um, who pastors Calvary Chapel, Vineland, New Jersey, and myself, uh, were a part of a memorial service for a good friend of ours that we've known for each of us for 45 years, Chaplain Lee Shaw in Napa, California. Uh, Lee led my wife to the Lord over the phone uh, all these 45 years ago. 
And uh, so his name is Gold uh, for a lot of reasons, but that chief among them. And uh, so we were all a part of the service uh, yesterday. And uh, Frank, uh, Pastor Frank was instrumental in planning, uh, you may not be aware, both Calvary Chapel of uh, Fairfield and also Calvary Chapel uh, Modesto, influential in both those church plants. And so we thought it would be a wonderful thing while we have him out here from New Jersey, uh, if he would uh, teach at each of the churches that he had uh, a part in establishing. And so this morning he's teaching at Calvary Chapel Fairfield, and I asked him if he would be willing to come here uh, this evening and to revisit these works that he was a part of in establishing some 40 40 plus years ago and he agreed. So I'd like him to meet all of you. I don't want him to come and see a building. I want him to see you and the fruit of of what it is that God's done through his life and to meet you, hear the message from the word he'll deliver tonight and and so that we can really make him feel at home and and welcome after a 40-year absence. And so, uh, special man to me, special man to the body of Christ, more on that tonight, and uh, so this evening at 6 o'clock. Uh, and then, of course, in that evening, as well as having um, Pastor Frank here, uh, it, we look forward to celebrating Tom and uh, hoisting him up on our shoulders, marching him around in the fellowship hall under the influence of Costco cakes. What comes to mind is a Jewish wedding where they put, we'll put him up in the chair and we'll just kind of do the whole thing and all. So you won't want to miss that. Um, he may want to miss that, but you won't want to miss that. And I, I hope we see him tonight. I don't know <laughs> whether we'll have scared him off or not. Let's stand together and let's turn on our Bible, Bibles to the book of Proverbs this morning. Proverbs chapter 20. If you're with us this morning and you don't have a Bible, just flag one of these guys coming up the aisle right now and and uh, they'll put a Bible in your hand marked to our passage this morning. And as we turn to different Proverbs, you'll be able to read along and you'll get a lot more out of everything as a result of it. Keep that Bible as a gift um, if you don't uh, own one. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 15. There is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. And then hold your place there for later in our message and just go to the left a little bit to chapter 17 and verse 27. He who has knowledge spares his words and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful that you not only save us and Assure us a place in that glory in heaven that we've sung about and Pastor Paul has prayed about. But that you're so interested in conforming our life, heart, mind, soul, and strength into the image of Christ in the course of this pilgrimage. We're so grateful for how far you've brought us and it only makes us realize how much further we have to go, but how much further we long to go. And as we turn to these passages this morning addressing this important subject in our life, we pray that you would use it to conform our speech uh, after his and after his example 
as we represent you in this world. And what a privilege it is to represent you in this world, not only in what we do, but in what we say. We pray for this work of your Holy Spirit once again in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. So we continue our topical series through the book of Proverbs and uh, a series entitled uh, Timeless uh, Wisdom. And uh, we began a couple weeks ago kind of a little subset within all of the different subjects that we're, gonna be, we're dealing with in the book of Proverbs, a subset having to do uh, with speech. And I figure that we'll be about four weeks in dealing with this today, and then we'll look to wrap this section up uh, by next week. And looking at what the Holy Spirit has to say through King Solomon about what is the wise use of this uh, tremendous privilege uh, of speech. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we examined the power of words in speech that uh, they uh, contain. Uh, the, our proper use of the words can be a matter of life and death, so the importance of using the privilege of speech with great responsibility. And then last week, we studied Solomon's instruction concerning speech that harms, and as a result, speech that we do not want to be engaged in uh, as Christians. And this week, we come to Solomon's instruction on how to use our speech in a way uh, that will introduce health into the, the hearers. It will have a healthy influence in those that uh, hear us speak as opposed to uh, harming them and bring health to their heart, their mind, their soul, their strength, that is, uh, even to their bodies and into their emotions and to, into their uh, mental health and certainly into their spiritual life. And there's so much that can be said on this. Uh, it's a subject in the Bible, but uh, as we've been doing in the book of Proverbs, we'll limit ourselves uh, very profitably to what Solomon tells us about this important side of things. In Proverbs chapter 17, verse 27, as we read, Allow me to read it again. He who has knowledge spares his words, and a man of understanding is of a calm spirit. And so Solomon reminds us that using our health as a, uh, a, a, our speech as a healthy influence in the lives of others, it requires us to exercise self-control over our uh, speech. And Solomon gives us two marks of a wise person's speech. Number one, he says, they spare their words. They don't talk too much. They don't over-talk. It's very important that we understand that he's not talking about uh, friends talking about some sports team uh, or talking about uh, some other recreation in, in life or some other, uh, you know, incidental uh, superficial kind of converse, not that sports are superficial, but superficial conversation that we might have in life where, you know, we're not measuring the number of our words and this, uh, this kind of thing. He's giving us instruction for addressing speech that's directed towards someone who's in need of healthy words. Uh, they're in need of healthy speech and instruction in their life, whether it's in the home or whether it's at work or among friends or wherever it might be. Uh, the wise person doesn't over-talk 
in those circumstances. They think before they speak, and what they say is well thought out. It doesn't mean that when somebody speaks to us and we begin to speak to them immediately, that our thoughts aren't well thought out. Uh, God can operate in our lives in such a way where we have been through circumstances that others have been through. God has walked us through those circumstances. God has brought His Word into a deep place within our lives. And we don't need a couple of days to think about it, to speak truth and to speak health into that situation that has already been long established within our life and we can immediately uh, impart something uh, to the person. In that kind of a situation in which somebody is needing clear, healthy, biblical input, oftentimes it happens uh, in a crisis. Not always, but uh, often uh, less is more. When I'm in a bit of a crisis or I'm in a difficult place in my life, and maybe you're the same way, but uh, so sometimes somebody can come to us and and then they can, we can then end up saying so many things to them uh, that the one or two things that they need to hear from me right now and remember and for, in order for them to have perspective in, in their situation and, and wisdom and instruction, uh, uh, sometimes uh, it, it, if we go on and on and on and uh, after speaking to them and our words are just kind of an avalanche of words, they have no hope of remembering the couple of things that they really needed uh, to, to hear from us. It doesn't mean that there aren't times when someone will come to us in need and we really do need to begin here and work all our way through over to here to speak into their lives in a meaningful and a helpful way. But oftentimes we can overspeak, and I don't know if it's happened to you, but I've left these kind of conversations and I've thought to myself, they would have been a lot better off if I had just limited what I said to these couple of things that were most important so that they would clearly be left with them and to remember uh, those, uh, those things. And so often it's, simply, it's best to simply say those one or two things and leave it at that. Additionally, often when a person uh, goes on and on in endeavoring to impart wisdom to someone about something, it's a sign that they don't really possess the wisdom or the knowledge needed for the situation. Uh, but they don't realize it, and they can't bring themselves to uh, admit that. And that can be true of us as well. And so, so a problem comes to them, a need comes to them, and then uh, we just start thinking out loud, and uh, we're external processing, which is not helpful to the person, uh, other person, and we begin to throw everything that in our mind at the situation, including the, the proverbial uh, kitchen sink, and leave them more confused than ever. It's a freeing moment in our lives when we can learn to say, I don't know what to tell you. 
And I recommend that you talk with someone else who really can be of help to you. Uh, that doesn't happen to me often at, at this point in terms of biblically and all. It can. But I remember uh, in the early years of ministry and being a pastor, things would come my way and, and I began pastoring as three and a half years old in the Lord. So I'm just trying to keep up with whatever. And, uh, um, and so to be able to say to someone, you need to go and see a pastor who is more seasoned than I am on this issue. Or they have a ministry developed in their church that can help you in this way. But not just in the context of a pastor, but in other ways uh, as well. To say, I don't think I can help you here. I recommend you see so-and-so or I recommend that you get uh, 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 influence from someone else. Second Solomon tells us that the wise and helpful in these kind of conversations, they're even-tempered. They're able to keep their cool um, no matter what it is that is said to them. And so maintaining self-control, remaining calm is really vital when other people come to us with something and they're needing us to say something that will be a healthy influence uh, in their lives as opposed to responding in anger or bitterness or unforgiveness or some other carnal emotion. Sometimes people can bring something to us and we recognize the situation from our own life. We recognize the unfairness of it. And it provokes all kinds of emotion in our hearts that are unhealthy and unhelpful. And so then we begin now to speak what needs to be said now in an agitated way, a vengeful way. And we're not going to help a person when, uh, when we, uh, when we uh, do that. And so when something is brought to us, is brought to some people in life where calm is needed. They're like adding gasoline to the fire. They just respond. They blow up with carnal emotion. And that kind of response on our part always makes the situation uh, worse. And worse for the person who's coming to, uh, and needing to hear calm, clear, uh, knowledgeable uh, instruction and a calm, clear, knowledgeable uh, response. I remember one I was uh, uh, new as a pastor, so we're talking 40 years ago. I don't know who um, said it uh, to me, but one of the things that uh, I, I was told, um, not in a corrective way, but in a, in a way of, of preparation was, no matter what anybody tells you as a pastor, never show shock or disappointment. Listen to what they have to say, but don't let them see that, even if you feel that, because it can sink a person in terms of putting themselves in some kind of category as a result of that. So our response is very, very uh, important and a calm response. So rash, ill-thought-out speech, you couple that with carnal emotion, and that's the response of a person who is almost never going to be helpful 
in any person's life in a, in a time uh, of need. Rather, it's an evidence that their character or our character is presently really too shallow uh, to ha- help this person in, in the depth of situation that they find themselves in. Responding with silence is uh, better than responding in this way. It's better for the other person. It's better for us. I think about Job in the Old Testament, and uh, he had his three so-called friends and, and comforters come to him. And I mean, Job just, it just couldn't, it couldn't be worse than what he was facing in his life. I mean, it just is, that's the deepest valley anybody could ever dream of being in it. And he was actually in it. And they just went on and on and on, talking to him endlessly. And worse than that, talking endlessly out of their ignorance and out of their carnal emotions. They got angry with Job. That enters into all of it too. And finally, Job, imagine provoking someone in the kind of position and trial that Job was in to have to respond to them and say, Oh, that you would be silent, and that would be your wisdom. And remaining silent is better than saying the wrong thing, uh, even uh, for us. And it's the reason that Solomon went on to declare in the very next verse, verse 28, even a fool, when he's counted wise, is counted wise, uh, it, 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 when he holds his peace, Uh, When he shuts his lips, he is considered perceptive. I mean, we think he's a philosopher. We don't know anything about him. So here you have the fool. He's sitting at a table. And there's four or five people there discussing a situation, trying to be helpful in the situation. And as he's trying to think about something helpful to say related to the situation, not a single thought enters his mind. Not a single thought. So he remains silent through the entire conversation and and doesn't uh, chime in at all as everyone else is. And he comes off as a genius. There's something mysterious about the silent person in our minds. And it's probably because they're so rare. But we do tend to ascribe uh, the kind of virtue that Solomon ascribes to the silent person here in our minds as Solomon illustrates it here. So somebody, we give people the benefit of the doubt. If somebody's silent, we just kind of think, well, he or she's the strong silent type. And we view silence as this, this mark of great self-assurance and wisdom and depth. They have no need to chime in on everything that's being uh, spoken about and have no idea that the person's a complete fool. And, uh, uh, but we never get to know it because they keep their mouth shut. And what Solomon is encouraging each of us to do is to remain silent in those kind of situations. And uh, situations where something is really at stake and, uh, and when we cannot improve upon silence. Somebody put it perfectly. He said, it's better to keep our mouth shut and let people wonder if you're a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. And... Uh, I think all of us have been on both sides of of that saying in our life. Before we leave this proverb, 
I want us to notice that in order for our speech to be healthy and to be a helpful influence in another person's life, we need to take heed not only to what we say, but Solomon says, be careful to take heed about how we say what we say and to do it um, calmly and to do it with emotional maturity. The right thing always has to be said in the right way in order for the right thing, the influence of the right thing, to maximize its impact upon uh, the other person. Uh, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2, for those of you who take notes, and I'll uh, read it to you. The wise in heart will be called prudent, and sweetness of lips increases uh, learning. One translation has it, sweetness of speech increases uh, persuasiveness. And so to instruct other people, even difficult situations, but with a smile uh, in our voice. Those of you who are uh, as old as I am, you remember the great theologian of our youth and how uh, she put it, as Mary Poppins sang 60 years ago, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And it really, uh, really does. How what we say is probably second only to what we say in terms of importance. Second, and here we want to return to that passage we began with in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 15. The wise use of speech includes using our speech in order to impart helpful instruction and uh, the impartation of knowledge. Uh, there is gold and a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge, the idea is there. Uh, we have a precious jewel. So we have this beautiful poetic language that Solomon uses here, and, uh, but we don't want to miss what he's communicating to us in that, that poetic language. Though rubies and gold are rare, and because they're rare, they're that much more precious, Solomon says, rare still is the person who possesses lips of knowledge or wisdom. He's saying it's better to be or, uh, adorned in life uh, with wise speech that is helpful for people than to go around adorned in gold or even rubies. You can think about uh, people maybe being in some kind of fancy party at night and, and adorned with rubies and with gold and uh, think that's the height of adornment that a person can, uh, can have. But if that person uh, doesn't know how to speak in a way that's healthy for uh, who they speak to, uh, all of that other beauty is really useless. And so uh, better to be adorned with uh, lips of wisdom, lips that are able to give instruction and impart knowledge than, uh, than to possess gold and rubies. Knowledge in that, uh, that proverb it carries the idea of knowledge, skill, and understanding. Solomon here, he's describing the person who knows something. Uh, this is getting rare in our culture. Uh, I, I, sometimes I wonder what percentage of the words being spoken every day in this whole big wide world are spoken by people who don't know what they're talking about. They don't have the foggiest idea what they're talking about concerning anything. And I would guess that that percentage is very, very high. 
and again speaking of the relative rarity of people who actually know what they're talking about on a given subject and they possess a clear understanding of the issue and they're skilled concerning the issue and they have knowledge to impart to us, wisdom to impart to us, whether it's concerning how to accomplish a plumbing repair or an auto repair, how to cook anything more complicated than boiling top ramen on the stovetop, how to handle or how to view a financial decision, or more importantly, what to say to someone who is facing a major life decision like marriage or education or what occupation they're entering into or home ownership and most importantly having to do with our spiritual growth, our relationship with God where somebody really has something to speak into our lives about Christian service and about growing in our relationship with the Lord. We, when, a, when speech is used in that way, it's one of the highest uses of, of speech. It doesn't mean that when someone speaks into our life in that way or that we speak into somebody's life in that way um, that, uh, that we go and do whatever it is that they tell me to do. That position is reserved solely for God. But when people who have actually have wisdom and knowledge to impart to me related to some aspect of my life, it keeps me from having a blind spot related to that. And now I can see it in its full perspective and then take that, uh, that to the Lord uh, in prayer. I suspect that I'm not alone when I say I can't count how, uh, 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 even count how many times I've been grateful for having discussed something with someone, bounced something off of someone with a greater knowledge, a greater life experience concerning what it is that I'm, I'm facing and, uh, and, and a greater skill that I, I possess uh, at, at the moment. And how many times I've left a conversation, if I haven't said it then to them, I leave it thinking in my own mind, I am so glad I talked to that person. But somebody on the other side of it had to be willing to impart wisdom and impart knowledge and use speech in a way that introduced health and perspective into my life. When we're going to start up a new ministry so often here at the church through the years or I'm faced with a ministry situation I, I haven't faced before and that the decision that I make is going to potentially ha impact the entire body or even if it's just going to impact a single individual in the body. Very often, most often through the years, I will call someone that I know who 20, 10, 30 years ago was in the same place that I'm in right now, or their church that they pastor was in the same place as we are right now, and, and say, how did you see it? What did you do? And they've safely navigated it. What did you do? Uh, what would you do differently? What would you do all over again? 
and then to glean that wisdom and to glean that knowledge uh, from them. Again, I don't automatically do uh, something simply because they say it, but it helps me with blind spots that I might have. And my observation would be the same as Solomon's concerning this kind of person. These kind of people are uh, both rare and they're invaluable. Do you think in your own life, a situation occurs, you say, I really need someone who will tell me the truth here, biblically, about how they see what I'm doing here and, and, uh, and to speak into my life this way. And you think that every one of us could just sit down and, and we could say, well, let me just open up my Rolodex, for those of you who know what those are, and, uh, and, and just roll it and have it hit, and anyone I get is going to be able to impart that to me. But when we hit these places in life, it's interesting how often we have to stop and really rack our minds to discover one or two people that we could approach uh, in this way uh, in our uh, lives. They are as rare and as invaluable as Solomon says that they are. And that's the beauty of this mark of the wise use of speech. I think in every age in human history, a person's wealth is typically, certainly in our culture, defined by gold and by rubies, uh, by wealth. And, uh, and not so much the guy that lives a more anonymous life and, and, uh, and pretty much overlooked in, in life, but possesses tremendous wisdom. That guy gets overlooked, the other person gets noticed, and Solomon possessed both of them beyond description. He said, I've got money, you can't believe the money I've got. We don't even make anything out of silver in Jerusalem. It's all made out of gold. And he had wisdom like nobody had in human history to that time. And he said, take my word for it in terms of what is a real value in life and what makes a person valuable in life is someone who is able to use their speech in a healthy, influential way to impart knowledge and perspective to other people. And so as Christians, and because uh, the value system of our culture is upside down here in the United States in this regard, we need to be reminded not to go mute when we can impart knowledge and understanding to someone when it will be helpful to them. And when that word is wise, uh, it'll do them more good than all the gold or all of the rubies that we could uh, give to them. And I think that one of the things that happens is after we walk with the Lord for a while, I mean, when we're younger, we're eager to give our counsel to anybody that'll listen to us. And then, you know, you walk with the Lord for a few decades and then, Maybe you got one or two things figured out. You could be of help to somebody. And the problem is, is we live in a world that is yakking, 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 yakking all of the time. People are just overwhelmed with all of the 
talking, verbally, electronics, all of it, and we begin to think they don't need to hear another voice. Doesn't matter what I say. And then we go silent concerning one of the highest uses of speech that we possess. And people uh, uh, then lose this, especially in the body of Christ. Lose this as an asset um, in their life and as a resource in their life. And I I like the reminder of this because I think we can tend to over-spiritualize or overthink all of this. I like what Paul wrote in in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. He said, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart uh, grace to the hearers. And I like that, that three words, for necessary edification. Necessary is the word. And when we realize in a conversation with someone else that they really need someone who possesses a greater knowledge than they have, a greater experience in life than they have, a greater wisdom than they have, and they really honestly need someone to speak into their life, then we should do it. There are words that need to be spoken because they are necessary. And it makes them distinctive in a world of just blabbing and blabbing and blabbing. Not all words are the same. Some are necessary. And they need to be spoken. And it's it's a very, very high and valuable use of speech when providing someone if they pull over and they're looking for directions, we all have GPS now, so it doesn't happen so often. Say, can you help me to find whatever? And you give them uh, directions uh, or when you're sharing spiritual truth or sharing the gospel with someone else. There's a need and it's necessary to speak up. And words that bring health and healing to others must be spoken. And that's the point I'm making. Solomon's making it. We must speak when we can be helpful. And I think, again, too often after God has produced some wisdom and understanding and helpful experience in our lives, we can remain silent while people uh, drive their lives off of the proverbial cliff. And last week, we noted that silence is sometimes golden and then when it can't be improved upon, uh, uh, when we can't improve upon silence, then it's best not to break that silence. But silence is not always golden. Sometimes speech is necessary. When a person needs a word of encouragement or somebody is about to make a terrible, terrible mistake that will haunt them for years, or when an injustice or a sin is about to be committed, or when God prompts us to speak into a person's life. The next proverb we want to look at is in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 20, if you turn to that. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 20. The wise use of speech includes the use of it to impart righteousness 
Proverbs chapter 10, verse 20, the tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. And so Solomon is saying that the mouth of the righteous makes people rich. Rich in knowledge, rich in wisdom, rich in grace, and then there are even times to make them rich through correction that will come from us. And it also provides the speech of the righteous, provides people with nourishing food uh, for thought. And again, this kind of speech isn't, it isn't concentrated even, it certainly isn't limited to the educated in life, formally educated, or the rich or the powerful. A person can hold a very low position in the eyes of the world in, in life, and they can provide this kind of wisdom to others. They can impart righteousness into another person's life uh, through righteous speech and make others rich in their use of speech in this way. Of course, for those of us who are eager to receive Solomon's instruction here, and we say, I... I want, I want this privilege of speech to be marked by responsibility and to be helpful in people's lives. And so the question that this proverb raises in our mind is, uh, is what is righteous speech? Something that is righteous is something that has the quality of being right in the eyes of God. And so righteous speech is speech that imparts righteousness into the lives of others. It is a speech that is firmly grounded uh, in the Word of God, firmly grounded in truth as God understands it uh, to be. David wrote about this in Psalm 119, verse 160, and he says to God, the entirety of your Word is truth. And every one of your righteous judgment endures forever. That same psalm in verse 172, he said, My tongue shall speak your word, for all your commandments are righteousness. God said uh, of himself uh, through the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 45, 19, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I did not say to the seed of Jacob, Seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. And the Apostle Paul picks up the same theme by the Holy Spirit in the New Testament when he writes to Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, Uh, to every good work. And no one can become complete as a Christian without instruction and righteousness for someone to speak these things into our lives. On Sunday evenings when I go home and after teaching two morning services and then in the evening uh, service, I uh, I go to sleep at night with the confidence that if I have accurately and rightly divided uh, the Word of God 
in those three uh, services, whether I have quoted chapter and verse related to it, or I have quote, or I have in my own words expressed or explained uh, righteousness as God declares it uh, to be, then I go to bed realizing that I have done no harm to people. I have only uh, helped them. And it's not true only of the pulpit ministry. It's true of our speech everywhere in life. When I impart righteousness, what God has to say about anything in life, into another person's life or situation, then we can have that same confidence. And that's why when God gives us the privilege of being able to speak uh, His what is righteous in his eyes, in whatever form to speak it into another person's life, that when we leave that conversation, that we leave it with, we experience a, a sense of God's pleasure with the conversation, it, what's been imparted uh, there, that strong sense that we've done something very good uh, for another person. We'd like to, I'd like you to turn to Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11, as we talk about and look at additional aspect of healthy speech possesses a quality of aptness or appropriateness. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold uh, in settings of silver. So you can see the jewelry and here you have the apples that are represented in gold in the piece of jewelry and then put in a setting of, of silver and just the beauty of it. And, and so a word fitly spoken is to say the right thing or the appropriate thing uh, to meet a person's uh, need in their life or their situation. And here Solomon also instructs us that to be of the greatest help to others in this regard it isn't just enough to say the right words. It isn't just enough to say it um, in the right way. But the right words also need to be said at the right time. I'll read another proverb uh, for you in this regard. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 23. A man uh, has joy by the answer of his mouth. And a word spoken in due season, how good it is. In due season speaks of at the right time. And so the importance of this is uh, speaking at the right time uh, is revealed when we might, not, we might be saying something that is entirely true to the other person. It's being said in exactly the right tone to the other person. And they will interrupt us and they will say, this is not the time for this. They agree with what we're saying. They agree with the importance of what we're saying, but the timing is all wrong. Like trying to address some major issue with someone while they're attempting to change a diaper or we unleash this avalanche of problems from our life uh, upon a person as they're walking in the front door after a, a long demanding day uh, at, uh, at work. 
Very often we get bit with this, this is not the right time for this, when we have disregarded this very important factor in using our speech in a healthy way. It has to be the right thing, said in the right way, but also at the right time. I find that I violate this when I am interested in addressing a problem and getting it taken care of and my timing because I want to get it done. And then I disregard uh, the circumstances or the ability of the other person to now deal with it, the timing uh, of, uh, of the issue. I put uh, my concern to get a problem solved above the circumstances of the other person. And interestingly, Jesus recognized the importance of speaking not only the right thing, but at the right time in his own life and ministry. He modeled it. He said to the disciples, he said, I have many things to say to you but you can't bear them now. And whether that now is five minutes or five hours or five days, whatever it might be, uh, sometimes it's just there. And Solomon makes the same point concerning appropriate timing in one of his more humorous Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 14, I'll read it to you. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning. The idea is to do that. So he who blesses his friend with a loud voice. uh, And those of you who are my age, uh, think Joanne Worley. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rising early in the morning to do it, it will be counted a curse to him. So for instance, you barge into a friend's or a parent's or a child's bedroom at three in the morning and you begin to uh, pour out how much uh, uh, their relationship means to you, and it's going to be considered a curse rather than a blessing. Because at 3 a.m. they need speech more than being affirmed in their side of the relationship. So the importance of timing, even in saying something good. Now, I would be negligent if I didn't also say that healthy speech can also include Uh, the form of rebuke when that's needed. Uh, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6, if you would turn uh, to see that one. Proverbs chapter 27, verse 6. Faithful are the wounds you ever had uh, of a friend, you ever had a friend speak to you and you're thinking inside, ouch. Faithful are the wounds of a friend but the enemy, the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Another proverb, I'll read it to you in the same vein. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 23. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterward than he who flatters with the tongue. Jesus taught, Matthew 18, 15. Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he hears you, you'll have gained your brother. Remember, the the Apostle Paul found it necessary one time to publicly, in the city of Antioch, rebuke the Apostle Peter because he was showing favoritism toward the Jews that had come from Jerusalem over the Gentile Christians that were in that city at that time. And King David wrote, 
of his own need for this in his own life and his appreciation of it. He said, let the righteous strike me. He only wants the righteous to do it. It's a qualifier. But clearly, David is not thin-skinned about receiving this kind of instruction. And most often, uh, we deflect this kind of input into our lives because we are too thin-skinned and then people give up. But here's this healthy attitude of David. Let the righteous strike me. And it's talking about verbally. It shall be a, a kindness. And let him rebuke me. And it shall be as excellent oil. Let my head not refuse it. Jesus said, as many as I love, Revelation chapter 319, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. And so he does. I've known him to rebuke and chasten me. The Bible says that he measures the universe with a span. And that same span has been on my backside more times than I want to mention. But he has his ways of speaking to us and to rebuke in this way. It's to be like Jesus when it's necessary in many situations in life. It's one of the hardest things we will ever do. And yet, the healthy use of speech includes it. I close with Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24, if you would turn there. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24, and uh, noting Solomon's instruction concerning the importance of pleasant words. 16, 24, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. And pleasant words speaks of words that are kind, words that are encouraging in life. And what those kind of words plant deep inside of a person, Solomon speaks of with very, very powerful imagery. It's like bringing honeycomb or sweetness or health to their soul and to their uh, bones. Um, If you've ever had a situation in life, honey was like a Snickers bar in the ancient world. If you've ever been in a situation where you haven't eaten for a long time, too long, and it isn't just that you want to put something on your taste buds, your whole body is saying, you got to get some fuel here and you, you, you need to do it quickly. And then when that food is then put to our tongue, the ripple effect doesn't stop at the tongue. The ripple effect goes through our entire body. We feel that nourishment through our entire body. And here Solomon is telling us that these kind of words have a revitalizing effect upon a person spiritually and mentally, emotionally, physically. Mark Twain said, it's one of my favorite Mark Twain quotes, I can live a month off of one compliment. That's the power of encouragement in a person's life. How deep it goes and how it revitalizes a a, a person's life. 
I remember one time, and I've, I've had several really low spots in my life, and this was one of the lowest I'd ever been. And uh, to have someone just speak into my life, no chapter and verse, I just said, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. And the Holy Spirit just bore witness to that encouragement and how deeply that got planted in my heart and how necessary it was. Somebody might think, well, of course he knows that. He's a pastor. And yet, our need for these kind of things. Of course, especially powerful is an encouragement from God's Word. Uh, David wrote, More to be desired are they than gold, speaking of God's word, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, uh, and the honeycomb, Psalm 19.10. And I think this is good for us to consider, given all of the problems that are going on in the world around us. um, The world is as uncertain, uh, outwardly speaking, as any time in my lifetime. There are a lot of problems uh, in, in this world. And, and all of the problems th- that we see on top of all of the problems that we have in our own individual lives, and we can come to a place in, in our lives where all that comes out of our mouths is the negative. And we come down with uh, what a good friend of mine, Gail Irwin, uh, how he put it and made famous, we come down with a terminal case of the ain't it awfuls. And that's all that comes out of my mouth. And to stop and ask myself this morning, if my mouth is also a fountain of pleasant words into people's lives, and to realize that it's at times like this that encouragement, perspective, pleasant words being spoken are even more appreciated and, and needed. And to stop and think, what proportion of my speech is given over to this? How often do I speak these kind of words into people around me as opposed to these other things? And being able to do this, pleasant words, is an important, vital use of healthy use of uh, speech. Somebody might say, well, yeah, but you've got to admit there are a lot of problems in the world. Okay, I get that. But let me tell you the pleasant words that Tommy Ice applied to even that when he got up to speak on end times one time. He said to the congregation, Christian congregation, he said, what problem do you have in your life today that won't be solved by the rapture? That's a pleasant word. Or as Jesus put it, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. All of us have the capacity as Christians to speak pleasant speech and encouragement into the lives of others. And so they're needed by those that we love, those around us, and they're there. Even if the circumstances, national, international, personal, kind of endeavor to eclipse them in our lives. It's good to be reminded of that. 
It's good for me to be reminded of it as well. So we'll stop there this morning and we'll look to wrap up uh, this particular subject in Proverbs with a bunch of loose ends concerning Solomon's instruction uh, next week. Let's stand together and we'll close in prayer. Father, when we stop and think about the incredible investment that you make in our lives by your Holy Spirit of time, attention, instruction, and conforming us into the image of Christ, thank you as we do so often how far you've brought us thus far in all of that. And it makes us long for that process to continue in an ever greater measure. And we readily acknowledge that next to the decisions we make and the life that we live, the most important and influential part of our lives will be what comes out of our mouths. And so we thank you for caring about us enough, caring enough to instruct us on how to do exactly that this morning. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.